two groups. Uh, we are going to divide the room into two groups. Uh, we're going to have a front t- the front table section and the back table section. I'm going to pose a question to you this morning uh, that you're going to debate. Anybody here on the debate team at school? Uh, in a debate, sometimes in debate club, you are assigned a position that you don't agree with. And today is going to be no different. Uh, The question this morning is going to be this. Is cursing a sin? All right? The front tables, you're going to argue that yes, it is a sin. The back tables, you're going to argue that no, it is not a sin. Okay? So discuss for a few moments, and I will hear your arguments in just a few minutes. So discuss. Okay, this is where I need to have some input. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to each table in the back. The back tables are arguing that it's not a sin. And so I want to have uh, you give me your best reason as to why you think it is not a sin. Who wants to speak for this table here? Who's the speaker? Okay. Why is it not a sin? It is not in the Ten Commandments. Okay, she says it's not in the Ten Commandments, okay? So that's one line of argumentation. How about you guys? Who wants to speak for your table? Well, I will. You will? Okay, Laura, what do you have? It's in the Bible. Okay, so she says cursing is in the Bible. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's see who else. Rebecca. Because cursing is just a way to show, like, strong feelings. Like, I'm really angry or I'm really mad. And Jesus was angry and mad and just misused when you're not as angry and when you're not as mad. Okay, so she said it's a way to express anger. Sometimes sometimes righteous anger. Okay, whoever here? Ian. We said that um, cursing is not a sin until you bring God into it. Okay, they said that cursing is not a sin until you bring the name of God into it. Okay. All right. Uh, what else? Who's over here? Blake? Um, I agree with what they say. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. Okay. So you, you don't have a separate reason as to why it might be. Okay. All right. How about you guys over here? I know you all are like the free, free-for-all group. Why is it not a sin? Uh, because some of those words are just brought, like, to be bad by people. Like, in the Bible, they use as, as whoever over there said. I'll just spell it out for you, A-S-S. And they used it and it wasn't bad, and nowadays it, it, they, people think of it as bad. And okay. Okay, so he's saying that, uh, that cursing sound is cultural, like it's a cultural deal, okay? Um, all right, now the people that said that it uh, is a sin, uh, who wants to speak for this table over here? Nick? Um, we said that cursing was a sin because uh, it says in the Bible, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And whoever makes the rules about what's unwholesome and what's not is irrelevant because basically it's how society interprets those words. Wow. Well said. Well said. We can all go home now. 
We can all go home. Okay, who wants to speak for this table? Ashley. Ashley. Um, cursing means that you're like saying something bad against someone, and cussing is just like something else or whatever. But okay. either way, it's still bad. And okay. we're supposed to be building each other up with words. And usually, when we're cussing or cursing, it's degrading someone or degrading something. Okay. Okay. Good point. Good point. Who wants to speak over here at this table? <laughs> Levi. <laughs> that is your name, right? Levi? Yeah, Levi, go ahead. <laughs> like, what they said, cursing and cussing are two different things. Cuss, to cuss, it's just... Okay, Evan. Cussing is just words that come out of your mouth, but when you use those words to, like, personally attack someone with your... Yeah, it's cursing them. And you can't... You can't spell cursing without sin. <laughs> you guys missed that. But uh, Evan here pointed out, he's very intelligent. Uh, he said that you can't spell the word cursing without putting the word sin in it, so it is a sin, yeah. Okay. Okay, over here, what do you guys have? Rachel? We said it reflects your heart and it damages your relationship with God. Okay, it reflects your heart. Really good point. All right, last table. What do you guys have? This better be good. Y'all like the grand finale. Who wants to speak? Crosby. Uh, it's wrong because in Colossians 3, it says, But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these anger, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Hmm. So the Bible does seem to say that such a thing as filthy language. We've established that much. Uh, but the funny thing is, um, we can argue all day about the sinfulness of cursing, whether it's a sin, whether it's not a sin. Um, but here's the reality. Listen up. Here's the reality. Listen up. If you talk this way, you will ruin your witness. We can sit here all day and talk about, okay, is it a sin, is it not a sin, play the semantic game. But the reality is, in our culture today, if you talk this way, you will ruin your witness. And so today we are looking at our last uh, talk on Don't Waste Your Life. We are titling it this. We are titling it Don't Waste Your Witness. Today we are looking at how Christians waste their witness for Christ. Uh, many of you may be asking the question, what what do you mean by witness? What is this word witness? What are you talking about? Here's what I mean by witness. There is an attachment that people have between you, how they view you, and how they view Jesus. Okay? What people think of you are what they're going to think of Jesus. You are a reflection of the person that you follow after. If you say you're a Christ follower, then people are going to link what you do to who you follow. Okay? What people think of you, they are going to think about Jesus. You are a reflection of Him. That's what I mean when I say witness. So we're going to look at four ways that Christians waste their witness for Christ. Uh, how do we waste our witness? The first one, of course, I'm bringing up today is, is language. Language. Uh, James 1.26 says this. Hey guys, thank you. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. 
Your next uh, discussion question. Well, I, you know what I'll do today? I'm going to go ahead and just have you answer this as a big group. Uh, it says that someone deceives themselves when they do this, when they live this way. How do you think, what do you think James is talking about here? How can someone deceive himself in this area? Just shout out your response. How, how can someone deceive himself when they live this way? An unbridled tongue. I've heard of someone deceiving someone else. We know about that. But how can someone deceive himself when he lives this way? What do you think? What's that? Okay, believing they have no control. Okay. What else? Okay. So it becomes a habit. They get, they get used to the idea of it. What else? How do you deceive yourself? What's the deception? Okay. So we emotionally justify it or we intellectually justify it. Um, what else? Anything else? Yes. think you can make... Did you have your hand raised over here? Okay. Um, I think a really good point from this passage is this. Most people who have an unbridled tongue, they think that what they say doesn't matter, right? They think they're just words. They don't really matter. They're just sounds, okay? Hey, guys. Can you guys please stop talking? I appreciate it. Thank you. They have an unbridled tongue. An unbridled tongue. And so when people act this way, they talk this way, they are deceiving themselves thinking that what I say doesn't really matter. They're just words. They're just words. It doesn't matter. And so what James is saying is what you say matters. Your words matter. I mean, this is like the guy who, who will, on one hand, he'll, he'll intellectualize cursing and he'll say, you know, they're just, they're just sounds coming out of my mouth. They don't really mean anything. Then he goes to a football game Someone calls him an a-hole. He wants to fight, right? Well, they don't mean anything, right? There's words. They don't mean anything, right? So it's like we intellectualize it, but we, we pick when we want it to mean something, when we want it to mean nothing, right? He's ready to fight. You see, your language reflects your heart. In fact, the Bible says that out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Then what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of something inside. And so, this is why whenever you are angry, uh, whenever the source of that anger might be someone um, cutting you off in traffic or you stubbing your toe or someone um, slandering you behind your back, whatever the case may be, when you are angry, this is why you want to say certain words. 
Now, it's true that it's partly cultural, that you're culturally preconditioned to say certain words. And everyone knows the, the, the continuum of, of curse words. Everyone knows that the F word's like the granddaddy of all curse words, right? It's like the, it's the one that, that is like, you know, if you say that, something just, you feel like this thing rises up in you and it just comes out and you just go, you're like, yes, that's just, it, 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 you feel complete, right? You feel complete. So, so that's the granddaddy, and we work backwards from there, right? But these are culturally preconditioned in our minds to mean certain things. And you know that um, there's a certain level of badness attached to each one. All that aside, when, when something happens to you that's bad, you are pre-programmed in our culture to say these things, to come out of you, right? In fact, we would say that, that not saying these words would require something called self-control. In fact, in Galatians it says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And last time I checked, self-control is a good thing. It's a good thing. Look at what this says uh, at the end of verse 26. It says, His religion is worthless. When someone lives with an unbridled tongue, it is saying that you waste your witness. Your religion is, is worthless. Religion's worthless. And, and I don't think it's just talking about sex, I don't think it's talking about just cursing. I think it's referring to all kinds of language content, sexual jokes. That'll convince you, right? What about that? Ephesians five four says Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. You see, it's not just curse words, but it's, it's the content of your conversations, right? In fact, uh, last year, I won't mention the class, but at Classic Class Challenge, um, I was amazed. I was amazed that uh, one of the guys in the group said something pretty innocent, just made a statement, and then I saw a couple of girls start giggling and laughing, and then he figured out they were making a sexual innuendo out of what he just said. That was an innocent statement. And he went... Come on, come on, girls, seriously. And they're giggling and laughing and being like junior high kids. And, uh, and I was sitting there going, I don't think they understand. They didn't think that I got it, and I did get it. And I'm just going, man, how, how often do we do that? How often do we just instantly go there, right? Like, I'm sorry, you guys are the culture of, you, you think you invented the phrase, that's what she said. Like, you think that you did. Okay? Like, let me tell you that that phrase was big when I was in seventh grade, before you were even born, okay? It's, it's an old deal, all right? But how often is that part of your locker room talk? How often is that kind of stuff a part of your vernacular? Well, you're, you're making something that God created into a joke. And really it just shows that you're the joke. Really it just shows that you are a joke, Right? That if these, if these things become such a part of our lives, that as you do these things, that you, you waste your witness. You waste your witness. In fact, it's not, it's not hard to make sexual jokes, guys. It's not hard. That's like the most lazy comedy that there is, I think. Like, re- real comedy requires, like, effort and skill. Like, lazy comedy, I mean, that's, that's sexual jokes, right? 
And so when your speech, when your speech lacks cursing, it lacks, of course, joking, uh, people take notice. People go, like, that, that's an odd thing in our world. That's an odd thing in our society to, to not be a part of. And people take notice of that kind of behavior, and they go, hey, something's different about that guy or that girl. I'm not sure what it is. Something's, they, they don't talk like I talk. They're different. Let me tell you guys this morning that if you think for a minute you can talk the way that some of you guys talk and not waste your witness for Christ, you are dead wrong. You are dead wrong. And it's not just, it's not just language. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is, is relationships. Relationships are a way that many of us in this room are wasting our witness. I'm going to discuss two things, friendship, and I'm also going to discuss dating briefly as well. But first we'll discuss friendship. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I'm going to ask you a question. So, so how will people know that we are Christ's followers? What's the answer to this question? How are people going to know that you're Christ's followers? Someone help me out. Tell me the answer, please. Okay, if you tell me again, how, how are people going to know if you are Christ's followers? Please tell me again. Okay, if you love, if you love one another, people will know that you are Christ's followers. There is so much truth in that statement, I can't even begin to tell you. That your relationship with each other as friends is a reflection of Christ. And when people see us in this youth group be hateful, be spiteful, be slanderous, be gossipers, Christ's name is, is Christ's name is dragged the mud. tell you right now some of you guys are in such relational discord and you know who you are that that Christ cannot be glorified in your relationships because of it you are making him look pathetic I'll give you an example. Uh, this past week I was talking to uh, one of my interns about finding a host home for Connect Weekend coming up. And this was her dilemma. She can't find a host home 
or any of the girls in her grade to go to this weekend for that matter because none of them like each other anymore. An entire grade of girls. And yes, this morning, girls, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out and I'm telling you that that is pathetic. That is sad to me. That we can't have a weekend event and spend one night digging into the Word of God and discussing it because you can't get along. Because you can't coexist. Like, that is so sad. I mean, this, this, the church is supposed to be a place where people are welcome, welcomed in, people are included, people are, there's relational harmony there, and yet, I look at us sometimes and I go, man, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I have seen unbelievers treat each other better sometimes than the Christians that I've seen in this room. And it's not just that group of girls. There's another group of girls in our youth group. Some of you are here this morning that I know for a fact you have been in relational discord for months. You have been at odds. You have gossiped. You have slandered. You have gone by people's back and talked about them behind their back. You've said untrue things about other people. And it needs to stop. Because the way that you live out your relationships is how you portray Christ to people. And it's not just friendship. It's also, it's also dating. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 says this, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. So the question is, how do you date? What is your dating life like? We're going to do an entire series in two weeks on this topic. And I'm extremely excited about this, this series coming up. But man, how, let's think about it right now. How, how are you dating? How, what's your dating life like? Are you getting physical? Are you taking advantage of her or him? Are you putting yourself in compromising situations? Because that, that to me, if you, if you date the same way the world dates, that's going to reflect Christ. It's going to reflect Christ. So how do you date? How are you dating? The third way um, that I think we waste our witness as Christians is this, and it's partying. I'm not talking about birthday parties. Nothing against birthday parties. But for some of you in this room, pleasure and popularity are your gods. For some of you in this room, you are worshiping the gods of popularity being accepted, which is why you go to certain events like this. You're also worshiping the God of pleasure, because Christ is not enough for you, and you are chasing false gods. You're, you're, you're chasing idols. 
And when I say partying, I'm referring to a package deal. I'm referring to underage drinking. I'm referring to getting drunk. I'm referring to drugs. I'm referring to what goes on at those parties. I'm referring to all that stuff together. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But that whole scene, let me just say that, that if you're involved in this and you call yourself a Christian, I want to talk to you first. If you, if you call yourself a Christian and you're involved in this kind of stuff, I'm going to encourage you right now to stop pretending. If you want to live that way, then, then go live that way. But, but don't call yourself a Christian in the midst of that. Just don't. Just don't do it. Don't drag his name through the mud. Make your choice and choose to live it out. But don't play both sides of the fence. If you're a Christian, I want you, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah, make your decision. I hope that it's come back to Christ and repent. But if it's not, stop pretending. Stop pretending. Stop playing both sides. Because you make Christ look pathetic. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not really sure where you stand with Christ right now this morning, then I want to tell you that I love you, first of all, and Christ loves you. And He wants to pull you out of that mess. And you can, you can follow Him, you can give your life to Him. Like He will take you, He will gladly take you. With all of your sin, He will take you. There's a fourth way that many of us waste our witness, and it's uh, at work or school. For some of you guys in both environments, you're in both environments a lot, it's at work or school. There's a verse, uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where it says, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them. Not to talk back to them and not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted. So that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. So how do you respond when things aren't fair in your life? Whether it's at school, whether it's at work. How do you respond when, when things aren't fair? How do you respond when there's injustice? When there's that really mean and cruel teacher or principal over you? How do you respond? The writer here is talking to slaves. He's not justifying slavery. But he is saying, if you are a slave, and you're in an unjust situation, then how you live out your slavery is really important. How you live out your, your unjust situation is going to reflect Christ. He says, essentially, submit to your authorities. Try to please them. Don't smart off. Don't talk back. And show that you're trustworthy. Why? Why do all these things in an unjust situation? Because when you do this, you make the gospel attractive. When you live out your life in such a way, even when things are unjust, you make the gospel attractive to people. Or the last question is like, man, that teacher is being like really cruel to him. Did you see how he responded to that? That friend was really cruel to him. Did you see how he or she responded to that? People will take notice, and it says that you see what's at stake here. Just so you know. What's at stake here 
is not your attractiveness or how you look to people. The point isn't, hey, be a good person so that you can look good. The point is, live in such a way that you make the gospel attractive. That's what's at stake here. That is what is at stake. You know, a a few years ago when I was in high school, actually many years ago now when I was in high school, uh, I was working at a golf club, and a friend of mine was working alongside me, and one of our missions at at this facility was to work in such a way that someone would take notice. Not because of us, but we wanted to make sure that we portrayed Christ in a positive light. So we worked hard. We were there on time, we did our work well, we tried to take pride in our work. And after a while, it was really funny, this, this head golf pro, who was not a believer, he pulled me aside and he goes, he goes hey man, uh, you got any more Christians you want to bring up here and work with us? And I was like, that's kind of a weird question to ask, you know. He's not even a Christian, he asked me that question. And I said, well I can maybe try to find some, maybe. He said, yeah, you Christians, you guys do good work. He's kind of sarcastic and stuff, and I was like, Okay, cool, I guess. But what I'm saying is this guy took notice. And he wanted, he wanted more of it. And eventually my friend had a chance to share Christ with this guy. Because his, the way he worked, worked its way in. So why is it that, that Christians are some of the laziest people I know? Why is it that... that some, if, if I were to give you a list of the top five lazy people I know... Every one of them are Christians. So that means a Christian should never work with laziness. That means a Christian should never be a person who does things halfway. You see, we live in a culture where people are looking for any excuse to not believe in Christ. Don't let your laziness be that excuse for them. People are looking for any excuse they can to not worship Christ and not be in a relationship with Christ. Don't let your laziness or lack of work, work ethic be the excuse for them. When you're at work or school, do you see work or school as a chance for the gospel? You see, many of you, you don't want to share your faith at work or school because you know you're not living your faith at work or school. So my challenge to you is, the solution isn't to stay where you are, the solution is start living it so you can share it. Because when you start to live it out, you will no longer be a hypocrite once you do share it. You see, with this whole witness thing, how people see you is how they will see Jesus. You're a reflection of your Savior. You're a reflection of Christ. How people look at you as a body of believers is how they're going to see Christ. We've looked at portions of Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 3. I'm going to have you look at the entire passage here. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. But among you, there must not even be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a man is an idolater. 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. You see, if you struggle with these things, the answer isn't just to start behaving yourself. The answer is not just, okay, got to clean up my behavior. Gotta go be, I gotta go be better. I gotta be a better Christian. That's, that's the wrong response here. The, the proper understanding of this whole thing is that this is a heart issue. If these four things are issues for you, then these are heart issues. This is idolatry. It's an issue of idolatry. And so the answer isn't just go behave yourself, go change your behavior and, and fix yourself. The answer is to stop worshiping the God of pleasure and the God of popularity and start worshiping Jesus. Because when you start worshiping Jesus and see yourself as a sinner separated from Him because of your sin, when you see yourself that way, then whenever you start to change your behavior, it's out of gratitude and love for Him. It's not out of obligation. And I want to fix myself so I can be a better person. When, when the orientation of your heart changes and you begin to worship Christ, different things begin to flow out of your mouth. Different things begin to flow out of your relationships. Different things begin to flow out of your work environment. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Right now there are people in this room who need to know about God's wrath because right now you are deceived. Right now you are deceived. And you need to know that God's wrath is real. Right now, there are people in this room that have bought into so many lies. Satan is the great deceiver. Satan is is someone who wants to trick you and deceive you and cover up your eyes when you can't see things correctly. And that is where many of you are this morning. You're, You're deceived. You're completely deceived. You think you can get away with the stuff that you're doing and you know that God knows about what's going on. You think you can slander people and gossip and have relational discord. You think that you can get away with this stuff. And I want to say that if you are one of the girls that I'm talking about right now, I mentioned earlier that there are some girls in this group that are at odds with each other and, and have relational discord. That if, if that is you, and you think for a second, if you can get away with that and keep disobeying God in your relationships, then shame on you. Shame on you for believing lies and deception. And if you're someone that that thinks that you can say whatever comes to your mind in the locker room or wherever it is, if you think you can get away with stuff like that, then shame on you for thinking that you can drag Christ through the mud and have there be no repercussions for that. And if you're someone who is it one way on Friday and Saturday evening and some other way on Sunday morning, if you're someone who uses your mouth to praise God on Sunday morning and you use it for 
for drinking and partying on Friday and Saturday, then shame on you. Shame on you for making Christ look pathetic. You know, I can sit here all day and just kind of bash and, and hammer you with, with, with these kinds of words, and I can sit here all day and do this kind of thing, and that's not what I want to do. And so this morning, you, you've heard some hard truth. You've heard some hard things. We have spoke some prophetic words of, that I hope has jolted some of you out of your slumber. I don't want to leave you there this morning. This morning, I want you to see us as your leaders, as more than prophets. I want you to see us as your pastors that love you and care for you deeply. Deeply. And so I'm going to ask each one of my leaders this morning, if you're here this morning, go ahead and make your way up to the front. I want to spray yourself out in front of the stage here. Any leader that's here, an adult leader or intern, come forward and, and just sit on the stage or be in front up here. And those that are still seated, I want you to look at each one of these people in front of you right now. And I want you to know that I know that these guys and girls love you guys so much. I sat with many of these guys this past Wednesday back there in that kitchen uh, discussing uh, just the state of some of our Wednesday evening groups and where they were at spiritually. And it was a heartbreaking conversation just hearing the stories of about some of you guys are just in relational discord. Some of you guys, if somebody walks into this building, you'll walk out. If someone um, is going to be at someone's house for a connect weekend, you don't want to go. Others of you might live one way on Friday and Saturday, live a different way on Sunday morning. But let me tell you that as we discuss these things, what I see in these leaders right now, is how much they love and care for you as a body of believers. And so we want to be your pastors this morning, not just be prophets and speak truth, hard truth to you. And so what I want to do this morning is if, if you struggle with any one of these four areas that we talked about, whether it's your language, whether it's your relationships, whether it's partying, whether it's being a witness for Christ at work or school, really simple this morning. I'm going to... Um, I have a song playing in the background, and if, if, um, if you would like to talk with someone or pray with someone about where you're at in these areas, this is the time when you can say, hey, I'm horrible at these things. I need help. I need to talk to someone. I need to have someone pray for me. And I want you to make your way forward. Just talk to someone that you trust that you may already know. You may not know anyone up here just yet, but just find someone to get to know them a little bit and confess to them how you're struggling they will pray for you. And this morning, hopefully, should be just the start of a process. We know great things can't always just take place in a five or ten minute conversation, but hopefully it starts a process in your heart where you'll, you'll sense God wanting to change you and transform you. And I'll even say this, some of the ladies I've been talking about, and you know who you are, that if you are in discord with other people, disjointed relationship with other people in your grade, and the person that you are angry at or hurt by or whatever the case might be, if that person is not here this morning, I still want you to make your way forward this morning 
and, and, and let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how we as a, as a group can help you in your situation. Whatever that situation is. We want to have this be a time of reconciliation, restoration. Um, if you're someone who struggles with how you talk, your language, we want to pray for you this morning and, and pray that God gives you the strength to be a light in your schools this year. Any one of these issues, if these jump out to you, I want you to, to come forward and have us pray for you and share with you in conversation how God might make use of you this year in your schools. And so what we'll do is we'll go ahead and, uh, if, if you don't feel called to do that, then you can just kind of quietly leave it. I ask you, if you want to talk, just kind of talk out in the hallway. Uh, don't talk until you leave the room here. But um, if you feel called to come and talk to us, please do so. And if not, um, then you can be dismissed, okay? Let's go ahead and play the song.